Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday and welcome to the Gumpcast. I'm your host, Caleb Borg. I'm joined by my co-host, Wyatt Fulton. What's up, Wyatt? What's going on? We're so happy to have you all here listening and let's get right into the show. Every episode, we try to have at least one guest. And this week, we are blessed with not one, but two amazing guests. Riley and Marshall, how's it going? It's going great. Great to be back. All right, boys, let's talk NFL Week 16. It was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of good games, uh, a lot of blowouts. Um, one of the big things that I wanted to talk about specifically with Wyatt, Wyatt, are the Packers ever going to be able to put teams away? For some reason, it seems to me like they start off good and then all of a sudden they just you know let teams back into the game that have no business even being remotely in the game and it happened again this weekend with the Browns. I honestly think that the Packers are just an enigma at this point in the season. Like you said, they start off hot. I mean, what was it? They jumped out pretty early with a big lead on the Browns. They've done it to the Rams, the Ravens and a couple others this season. And then they end up being like one score games. I saw a stat that said, uh, in all 12 games the Packers have won this season, they've either won by or have led by two scores in every game. And most of them are turning into close wins, which at the end of the day, the winning is all that matters. I'm happy with the win, but I would like to see them be able to put away some of these lesser teams and really actually dominate somebody for 60 minutes. Yeah, because, I mean, I feel like, regular season like a win you you have that mentality like a win's a win like it that as long as you win it's fine but once you get into the playoffs like if you can't like finish games like if you're getting into the fourth quarter and you're letting these teams come back and you still have like your first team guys out on the field that's gonna come back to bite you eventually you know especially if you go up against someone like tom brady who is like the king of comebacks it's gonna hurt you in the long run. I think it will. I think the biggest thing is for the Packers is just injuries at this point. Cause I mean, we're missing two of our top three wide receivers Our starting tailbacks. Got an injury, got a nagging like ankle or something like that. Uh, Rogers himself has a broken toe, uh, missing our tight end, you know, and that's just offense defensively. We're missing, yeah. you know, all pro edge rusher, all pro corner, you know, safeties have injuries. A lot of depth guys are out with stuff. So I think just the biggest thing is injuries. I think if they can clinch a bye pretty early, they'll rest a lot of guys. And you'll see in the divisional round, you'll see what will look to be a completely different team. So what all exactly has to happen for you to clinch a bye? The Packers either need to win out, which that's always the easiest scenario, just win your ball games and nothing but good things will happen. But they can either win out at home against Minnesota this week and then against Detroit. I think that one's also at home. Or they can win one game and the Cowboys lose a game. If the Cowboys lose and the Packers win, that's it. We have the one seed. Gotcha. Which is very, which is very possible this week because 
Dallas is playing Arizona. Arizona's crapped the bed recently, but I need them to I need them to step it up. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. Green Bay can clinch the one seed first round by and home field advantage with a win this week and a Dallas loss or tie. Yeah. Not impossible, but so big uh big Cardinals fan this week. And then of course we gotta take care of Minnesota. Who has been the thorn in our side since a Mr. Brett Favre decided to ruin his Green Bay legacy and something with them. I vote we go pure chaos, and I need the Cardinals and Cowboys to tie. What if the Cowboys and Cardinals and Vikings and Packers all tie? What what happens in that case? We just nullify everything and try again in Week Seventeen. Yeah, or eighteen. They just add an they add another week onto the season, and we just replay those games. It's it's offsetting offsetting ties. I don't even want to know, dude. I like my brain hurts trying to think about what that what that would mean. the The playoff situation is already confusing enough this year, with how many teams are still in the race this late. It is. It's absolutely crazy. There's only like four or five teams that have been eliminated from contention so far. It's like the Jets, Jags, uh, like really truly the bottom feeders. Yeah, Jets, Jags, Titans, no, not Titans, Texans, and Lions. I don't know why I was thinking Titans. We talked a little bit about bad teams. Let's talk about good teams. The Bengals and Joe Burrow absolutely demolished the Baltimore Ravens this weekend, and it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, Joe Burrow became what? He made it into the top four of – QBs with the most passing yards in a Against single game. Yeah, no, see, that's the craziest thing is that he's, I think, has now spots four and five, and both of them were this year against the Ravens. I mean, the Bengals are hot, dude. Like, if I would, I would hate to play the Bengals right now. If I was any team in the play, like going into the playoffs, I would be genuinely worried about playing the Bengals. Glad we played them in like week four and are not coming up at this point in the season with them. Because, I mean, their offense is clearly clicking on all cylinders. Their defense is playing a lot better. Joe Burrow has figured it out. I mean, he had a, he's had a couple games this year where he looked a little iffy, but I think that kind of had to do with he was still trying to work out, you know, things with his receivers and stuff. But, yeah. I think my prediction of the Bengals winning the AFC North is looking pretty good right now. No, i got to say, though, as you know, a, a bit of a gump myself, seeing a potential Tua Joe Burrow uh, playoff game scenario between two teams that honestly don't make the playoffs that often, I'm here for it. I will agree, I'm scared of the Bengals. However, I could be here for that matchup. I would love that matchup. I feel like they match up really well. I mean, obviously, Miami has a really good defense. Cincinnati has a really good offense, you know. Yeah, I think Miami's I think defense is a lot better than the defenses the Bengals have faced in recent because you do have to remember, kind of put it in perspective, is the Ravens were basically starting us for in the secondary. Yeah, yeah. That's also true. And they lost a the guy in the secondary in the middle of that game as well. I mean, it's still the NFL. Oh, it's still like, the NFL, still, and I agree. Like, the guys they were putting in, the guys we were they were putting in would still torch, you know, any – kid in college so 
can I rant about the Dolphins for a hot, quick, quick second? Just a thought, talking about defense. I promise it's not going to be a real rant. But I think it's crazy (laughs) that the Dolphins are, like, creeping into these top 10-ish stats. Like, we lead the quarterback. We lead the uh, NFL in sacks. We're, I think, number 11 or 10 in scoring defense in all these stats. And the crazy thing is, we played, like, shit for, like, six weeks. Like, uh, the graphics have been going around. It was, like, through the first six or seven games of the season, we averaged, like, 29 points per game and, like, 350 total yards of offense given up. And since then, it's dropped to, like, 11 points per game and, like, 150 yards of offense. So... I just I want to say I just want to know like where the Dolphins would be defensive ranking wise if we actually let Brian Flores call the defense the entire season. Although if you want to segue that talking about NFL playoffs, I mean, kind of a big game in the AFC this week in uh, Nashville. Definitely a huge game. I mean, it's a must win for the Dolphins. And then if Tennessee wins, I think they clinch their division. Yeah, they, they clinch the division. They clinch the AFC South if they win. So very big game. Is this the Derrick game? Well, they clinch. They clinch with a win. Even if if they win, they clinch regardless. But if they lose, and Indianapolis gotcha. loses, they still clinch. Um, so they clinch with a win or an Indianapolis loss, and I think they clinch with the Indianapolis loss at any point, right? Yes, I believe so. What? I, I'm personally on the fuck the Titans division train. I mean, they they can clinch with an indie loss. I'll give them that. <laughs> but uh, I I like this matchup, honestly. I mean, Derrick Henry being out makes me feel a little bit better. Taylor Lewan being out, which, I mean, he's been hit or miss at times this year. But him being out, I think, definitely helps the Dolphins. I think the craziest thing about the Dolphins' last stretch of three games is – to clinch the playoffs with, you know, our new supposed franchise quarterback, depending on who you ask still at this point, we have to go through the team who took Drew Brees when we passed on him, which, you know, is haunted Dolphins fans forever. We have to go through Ryan Tannehill, who is, you know, very familiar with Mr. Tannehill down in South Beach. And then we have to go through our arch nemesis for the last 20-something-odd years, the goddamn Patriots. You get him at home, though, so that's a plus. Yeah, which I I got to say, if you want to talk about just Dolphins Twitter imploding, let us sweep those three games to make the playoffs. And, you know, just the amount – first of all, the amount of memes that are going to come out this weekend of us playing Tannehill, like I've already seen them starting. One of them, it was like the shaking hands tweet format, and it said – the Dolphins in 2015 – or Dolphins in 2016, the Dolphins in 2021 – or the Titans in 2021, missing the playoffs because Ryan Tannehill got sacked eight times in a game. Here's a fun stat. The Dolphins are 7-0 and against quarterbacks with the letter O in their last name. Yes, I saw that. And they haven't won a game against a quarterback who doesn't have the letter O in their last name. And they played Tannehill this week. Dumbest, I don't like that dumbest stat. freaking stat I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't like that stat. <laughs> but you play Mac Jones at the end of the year, so I don't like that stat though. <laughs> Good lord. Belichick's gonna read that stat and re-sign Jarrett Stidham to start him. He's gonna trade for Tom Brady somehow illegally but after the deadline. Illegally. 
Oh yeah, Bomb Trady is the new quarterback for the New England Patriots for Week Seven or eighteen, eighteen now. How do we feel about the whole seventeen week or seventeen game schedule? And as more so as I'm thinking for record books and all that, like should there be an asterisk or not? I mean, it's no different than when college football used to have an eleven game schedule. I think records are records, no matter where you set them. And so, say, I'm going to go ahead and say no on that, just because I think what was it? Somebody set like a season rushing TD record with uh, 12 games or something when the NFL had 12 games, and we didn't asterisk it when we went to 16. So I don't think it should be anything really asterisk or said like, oh, but this was 17 games. Yeah, or like when college decided to start counting bowl games and total yards and stuff. Yeah. Which I think they can just retroactive. I think they should just retroactively go back and count bowl game stats, personally. I don't see why that's the issue. Let's talk the Rams. Uh, I, for some reason, and like on paper, the Rams would, you would think that they would, you know, be the best team in football. But for some reason, they just, I mean, they're struggling. Like, Matt Stafford is not playing that well right now. I mean, they still have enough playmakers and enough people on offense to make plays and win games. But for some reason, it just feels like they are not clicking on all cylinders right now when this is the time that you really need to be playing your best football. I agree. I think them getting Cam Akers back could be huge, though. You know, I feel like they've been missing a legitimate running threat. I mean, nuts was it Henderson and then Sony Michelle for a little while. Like, yeah, I think getting a legit running threat will really help open that offense up. And in all honesty, like they should not have won that game versus the Vikings. Like they had like three turnovers. Yeah, the Rams did. Yeah, I think. Matt Stafford through two right. picks, three picks. Yeah, three picks. I mean, if, if you, if you like, someone says, "Hey, this team's going to throw three picks," you're automatically going to say, "Oh, well, the you know, odds are they're losing yep. this game." Like, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think the Rams really and truly do have a Sean McVay problem. If you, I can't remember where I saw this stat. It may have honestly been like. PFF or something like that, and I try not to use them. But uh, quarterback play for the Rams tapers off ridiculously during the latter half of the season. Like, it is embarrassing how far quarterback plays rocks for them. I was looking for that stat just a minute ago. It's bad. Like, like, there were seasons where golf performed better than what Stafford is at this point in the season. Yep. And it's and it's, think, a play, it's a play-calling issue. It's not even a quarterback say, I issue. I think it's a play-calling problem. McVay, he'll come up with something brand new in the offseason, and everyone's real high on the Rams. You know, the Rams are going to do this. They're going to be great. They're going to be amazing. And they are for the first few weeks out of the year. And then – Slowly but surely, they start to people start to figure them out. They lose a couple games they shouldn't lose, pull out a couple or weak wins after 
over teams that they shouldn't be, and they get bounced in the divisional round. Let's talk college football playoffs, New Year's Six Bowl games. I'm not going to lie. Just off the bat, I know off the top of my head, the one I'm looking forward to the most is Baylor versus Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. I was going to say, if you say anything but Baylor and Ole Miss, I you... I love that matchup. I agree. It is the best matchups. I mean, two. there's two matchups I'm looking at that are absolutely dog shit. Ohio State and Utah and Iowa and Kentucky. I like... There's literally nothing about either one of those games. That yeah, see, I disagree. I think Ohio State and Utah is going to be a lot better ball game than most people think, just because of the hype around the Rose Bowl. Have you seen how many That's people fair. have opted out for Ohio State, though? Yeah, it was like seven seven thousand of twenty thousand or something like that. Yeah, they sent I back seven thousand tickets, and they've had Garrett Wilson, Olave, their offensive tackle, somebody else, all opt out. But they still have Heisman finalist C.J. Stroud playing. Yeah, I got to say, though, if for nothing else, I am here for the memes. You know, they still like to give Alabama shit for losing to Utah in, what was it, the 08 Sugar Bowl? Was it 08? Uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. 10 was Michigan State, 11, we won a Natty 12. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, we yeah. still – people still want to bring up that fucking Utah game. You know, I'm not going to say the classic line of we didn't want to be there, but it was not a game after one, after thinking we were going to the Natty and losing to Florida. It was not the game we expected to be in. I'll say that. However, Ohio State lose to Utah, the fucking Sugar Bowl. It'll be fucking beautiful. It'll be a beautiful day on Twitter. Iowa and Kentucky playing in something other than the Outback Bowl is confusing to me. True, true. I'm not going to be voting for a blooming onion. I'm. I think Kentucky really? is going to dog walk. Iowa. I'm not going to say I think dog walk. I mean, I don't think I Kentucky think has the passing attack to really go after. I mean, Iowa has nothing on offense, though. I mean, they quite don't. literally. That's the thing. Is that I think I'm confident Iowa's defense can stop Kentucky more than Kentucky's defense can stop Iowa. Like, I think. I could see it being, you know, a very low-scoring game, but I don't know. I don't trust Kentucky's oh, offense Kentucky. enough. I don't know if Kentucky's got any opt-outs, but that wide receiver they've got, what's his name? Like, Wondell Robinson, I think is his name. Yeah. I keep an eye on him. I think he will have a good game for Kentucky. Now, again, not going to say Kentucky's going to win, but Iowa's got absolutely nothing on offense. And Kentucky's yeah. got at least Robinson who, if nothing more, can catch a jet sweep and take it. Let's see. We got Penn State and Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. I don't mind that matchup. I think that's going to be a a decent game, in my opinion. I think, I mean, unless I I haven't really been keeping up with any of the opt-outs in any of those bowl games, so I don't know who's not playing or who's playing. I would assume that... Traylon Burks. Who did? And and Jahan Dotson did for Penn State. Oh, He's their best well. receiver. Okay, so we're back to even. I think it's a good matchup. I think it'll be yeah. – where's it at? Yeah. It's in Tampa? Yeah. I mean, I like Arkansas. I think Arkansas is going to pull that one out. I think but... so, too. Arkansas has got a phenomenal game. 
I got Penn State, honestly. I mean, I like SEC, SEC, but, I mean, I, I think Penn State had a sneaky good season. I really do. I think they got some good building blocks moving forward. I don't know. I really like Penn State in that game. They lost in nine overtime to Illinois. Yeah, but and you're choosing them to beat Arkansas. Twenty to eighteen. Nine over the starting quarterback for Illinois got hurt in the third one. No, 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 no. That was the backup. They put the starter in who had been hurt pregame. Oh, but still, the guy who had been playing the whole game. The score was twenty to eighteen, and the last seventeen points of the game were scored. (laughs) in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter and all, all the consecutive overtimes. It was a beautiful game. I loved watching it. And there was like, what, there was like three oh, overtimes it was, it was more where than no that. one scored? <laughs> On that note, I really don't like the new overtime rule. I still don't. Hush. I was very happy watching the seven overtime A&M and LSU whatever from three years ago. I'd I understand it from a player standpoint, just because like you gonna run everybody for because that's the equivalent of playing two games at that point. You run that many overtimes. Yeah, but I really, as a fan, I hate the new rule. Viewing it from a player standpoint, I completely get it. See, I don't mind it. I just don't think it should start after what is it, third overtime? Just start it's after five. I, say, I agree. Second. I was like, it's, give me five. It's the second give me two normal, two where you have to go for two after a touchdown, and then you can alternate after that. Now to talk about the games that actually matter. We'll start with Georgia Michigan. What are your thoughts? I think it's gonna be um a very, very interesting game. I I really like it's that one's a toss up to me. I know Georgia's favored by a touchdown, but I I really couldn't tell you because I think Michigan's run game is ridiculously good. I think their offensive line is significantly better than ours. Probably the best they'll face all season. Georgia's faced all season. Um, Michigan's defense is pretty solid against the run, and so I think it's a it's a tougher matchup for Georgia than people realize. Georgia's leading rusher only has 718 yards on yeah. the season right now. They're, yeah, they've got, they have this, it's, what is yeah. it, Cook, McIntosh, and who's the other one? Oh, Zemir White. Zoom. Yeah, so, right. I mean, you got, you got three, and they're all different. I think it'll be interesting to see if Kirby sticks with a hot hand like he did not do in the national championship game in 2017, because <laughs> Sonny Michelle was killing us, and then he went to Chubb. And so, if he sticks with the hot yep. hand, and they're get, they're having success, I think it's a Georgia win. If he just does Kirby things, I think Michigan pulls it out. Yeah, Georgia averages 194 yards rushing per game, and Michigan averages 223. Yeah, and they're they're very similar in passing, Georgia. Only has averages twenty more yards per game in passing. 
the big obviously the big difference is points allowed per game by the defense georgia's sitting at nine and a half and michigan allows 16 points yeah but i think that nine and a half is skewed due to competition to some extent too i agree obviously now in hindsight everyone kind of realized georgia's schedule was nowhere near as good as it was hyped up to be so if mcnamara can play turnover free football and push the ball down the field like three times. I think that's all they need. If Michigan could get three shot plays, I think I think that's a good, good shot for them. He's good at protecting the football. He only has four picks on the season to 15 touchdowns. So, yeah. I mean, obviously they rely heavily on the run game, but he's looking at his stats. It's, it seems like he's pretty good at protecting the football and making smart plays. So, obviously, he's going up against Georgia's defense, and that's a whole different monster than anything else that he's faced all season. Agreed. It'll be really interesting, to say the least. I think it'll be, a, like I said, I think it'll be a much better game than people realize. It's the better of the two matchups anyways. My thing is, is like, I wonder if Michigan is going to take, a, you know, a a page from our playbook from the SEC championship game and try to do a little bit of tempo to try to wear out that defensive line. Because if they can get some tempo going and the run game, that's going to be I a think long night for Georgia. Because Raquan Davis, he's going to get gassed. Yeah, I think, I think, and personally, I really want to play Michigan. I want to put it on them. As, as a college football fan, I would want taking Bama bias out of it, I would want Michigan and Alabama for the ratings. The ratings oh. for that game would be so much higher than a Bama than a Bama Georgia round two. I know Agreed. everyone says that they want to watch Georgia get a second shot, but Bama Michigan, <clears throat> that's a that's a matchup for the ages right there. The history between the two programs, the history of each program, and the considerable dislike Nick has for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, yeah. I would love that game. Speaking as an Alabama fan, I'm torn because I would like to play Michigan because I don't want to play Georgia again, personally. Like, I really don't. But I also want to beat Georgia again just, you know, to put the dogs out of their misery once and for all, you know. Because, I mean, if we if they make it again and, you know, we play and then we beat them twice in one season and that would make us, you know, that would be us beating them in two national championships yeah. in the past, what, six years? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, as much as I would like to beat Georgia again, I really don't like having to beat a team twice. I don't. I really don't want to play them again. I'm, I'm going to be honest. The with only you. reason I, I don't want to play them again in playing Georgia for a second time is Stetson Bennett. Agreed. The only reason I'm even semi confident because Georgia. I, I said it when he was named the starter last year. Georgia will never win a national championship with Stetson Bennett as their starting quarterback, and I have not yet had to eat crow on that. No, you have not. And I, I mean, I think any reasonable Georgia fan agrees with you on that statement. 
Yeah. Now, if they now if come January tenth, you know, it's Alabama Georgia round two, and they trot JT Daniels out there with the first team. I'm gonna be holding on to my seat a little bit tighter because that's gonna be a rough matchup. I think Daniels has the ability to beat us, but I think at this point he's so rusty and so raw that he won't by the time he gets fully into a swing, it'll be too little too late. Well, and I can't remember who my dad was talking to, but my dad was talking to somebody and he said that the general consensus is the team doesn't really like JT. Interesting. I can see that. Interesting. He's that he's that yeah. California he's because he's from he's that California kid. He doesn't relate went well. USC. Went to USC. He doesn't relate well to the, the players on the team, basically. And like when I was I was looking at Georgia's team makeup and it, it I can I can see why. Because he I think apparently he comes off kind of like high and mighty and full of himself. Oh yeah. And that's been since, he's a prima donna. And then you got Stetson's from Pierce County High School. I mean, he went to a county high school. It's the only high school yeah. located in the town he's from. <laughs> so he knows how to relate to those. And yeah. to some extent, it's just like Stetson came from where some of they came from. And mm-hmm. JT went to Mater D. And so yeah. I think yeah. that, and that's kind of where Kirby falls, I think, on the, uh, the team chemistry part. Because I know, I think, Wyatt, you've mentioned that before is that team chemistry is the reason Stetson's still starting to some extent. And I, I can 100% see that if he relates better. I mean, at this point in the season, it's kind of like, yeah, what, what else can you do? Wait till half because time of the do you, I mean, you could take the gamble and start JT. Yeah. I mean, you could gamble and start JT and hope that it all works out and that, you know, the players will get will rally behind them, you know, because it's the national championship game, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's win or go home. But yeah. you know, or it could backfire in your face, and you know it doesn't work yeah. out. You know, you have tensions on the sidelines because you know JT's you know upset about one thing, and they're upset with him about another. You know, and you have scenarios that would never happen with Stetson as, as the starter, because, you know, obviously they've spent the whole season together and they've meshed well. So I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's just, it, it is. I think it's interesting. I think to some extent you've seen how many times JT's come out and thrown in pregame warmups and we all know he's a better talent than Stetson. And if he can throw in pregame warmups, then why isn't he playing? And that's where that kind of just like kicks in a little bit to me because mm-hmm. that fills in those gaps as to why yeah. he wouldn't be playing. I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing for Georgia would be the chemistry thing because, like you said, you know, California kid went to Matter Die, went to USC, and now he's coming in and it's he doesn't really relate to the team. Not only that, Stetson's been the starter since JT had that oblique injury. At this point, you know, Stetson's got chemistry with the starting receivers, the starting whatever. You know, they understand Stetson. They know, okay, when pressure hits, you know, he's going to roll out this way or he's going to step up. You know, they all mesh very well with Stetson at this point. And if you brought in JT, it would be – you'd have to start that all that process all over again 
considering, and at this point in the season, I mean, that was a heck of a gamble Nick took. I don't think it'd ever work out again if someone else tried to do that. I think the biggest thing with that was the two was personality and Jalen's personalities. And you don't find two better personalities to do that with than Tua and Jalen. Yeah. Yeah, they're literally the epitome yeah. of and, team player. Like they want to win. They want to win, and if that requires someone else doing their job, then you know they'll swallow the swallow yeah. their pride and step down, and you know be that supportive teammate. And yeah, of, and watching you know, JT or spotlight. watching Jalen on the sidelines for the rest of that game, you could tell that's that's what the difference was, and that's why Nick felt comfortable doing it is because Jalen was sitting there clapping. He wasn't sitting on the end of the bench. He was with everybody. He still had his helmet near him, so he's ready to go in whenever. And I think that's the biggest thing is there's just that, like, confidence kind of that he could give to us that, hey, this is still the right – coach made the right decision to some extent. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jalen Hurts is one of the most beloved players to ever come from Alabama. Even when he left to Oklahoma, no. there was no animosity from I never I never talked to an Alabama fan that was pissed no. at Jalen because he was leaving. Like literally everybody was like wished him the best. And when he succeeded, even when he was like, you know, succeeding at Oklahoma and he was like in the Heisman talk and everything, like people were genuinely happy for him. And it's, I mean, it's just a testament to the guy he is. I mean, it it shows now, even now that he's in the league, like in Philly, like you can tell the team has really like meshed around him, and they they you know he's their QB, and you know obviously in the league you you're always gonna have those haters that are gonna say you know he he's not good enough, you know he can't he can't make these throws and he can't do this and he can't do that, but it's not always about that. Sometimes like he is, he's just a football guy. Like he's yeah. like, everyone loves Jalen. I think it's, yeah. He's just so beloved by everyone. It, it's hard to, it's hard to not like the guy. And I think that's where, again, just the difference in, I mean, you can just tell by watching them for 12 seconds that JT and Jalen are different. And so I think that yeah. would be, I think it'd be an interesting proposition to say the least. Harbaugh also needs to not run the stupid crap that he does with JJ McCarthy. Because all McCarthy does is run when he comes in. So you need to keep McCarthy on the sidelines and just stick with McNamara the whole time. All right. Let's talk about the big, the big one, the big daddy. The one we all actually care about. Yeah. The, the only game we care about. Uh, Alabama and Cincinnati. I I don't see a situation where Cincinnati is really going to challenge us in any way. I mean, I, I think that we're going to handle them pretty, pretty easily. I mean, it might be a little rough at the beginning of the game just trying to figure everything out, but I think once we get settled in and all that, I think we're going to handle business and I think we're going to cover the spread pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. I think it's it's going to be... I think that, yes, their secondary is great, 
but with them playing that three three five that Ole Miss plays as well, um, it's going to be it's going to be really hard for them to put the meat on the line that Ole Miss is able to put on the line, and because oh, I mean Ole Miss is still an SEC caliber defense. They may not be the best SEC defense, but they they were much better this year than they had been in years past. They're better than most defenses in other conferences by Agreed. a long shot. Yeah, and so I think and their defensive line was, if I remember correctly, their defensive line was solid. Yeah. So, um, I think I just I don't see Cincinnati putting the, again putting the meat that they can put on the defense. The Ole Miss could put on the defensive line, and I don't see us. I mean, we ran Brian Robinson ran for. 170-something yards against Ole Miss, and I would not be surprised to see something similar to that again. Yeah. Like a very run-orientated offense Mm -hmm. and not having Bryce drop back as much because that's the only way I could see them getting pressure is if their DBs can lock up our wide receivers for long enough for the, you know, the, the pressure to get back into the backfield. But you know, yeah. If I, I you can do that, if you can get a good run game going, that that negates all of that. Because obviously, if you're running the ball, those DBs are going to be and safeties are going to be creeping up after every single run play. So it's going to be harder. Yeah, I mean, I need like I to see a way where. I mean, if Bryce throws that ball 50 times, I don't even see a way where Cincinnati can cover long enough. I mean, shoot, J-Mo hits somebody with a little stutter step about five yards downfield, and he's gone. I mean, Georgia – I mean, I've I've seen Cincinnati fans and Cincinnati people talking about, well, we'll just double-team Jamison. It's like Georgia tried to double-team Jamison, and he split straight down the middle. And ran past both of them. I mean, Sauce yeah. Gardner is—he's a very good corner. Don't get me wrong, dude's probably a first-round corner. I but against the other guys too, the yeah, other guy both. is too. But I think against a, against a Jamison Williams, there really is nobody in college football except maybe a—I don't even know, like maybe Kool Aid in practice could stop Jamison enough for him to not have 150 yards a game. Yeah. I mean, Jamison, he's, he, he hit 23 miles per hour. <laughs> I, I can promise you sauce. Can't do that. That's no sauce is not. Keeping up with Jamison. I think sauce is listed like mid four fives, low four fives. Jamison is probably mid four threes. Yeah. I, I now, if we work, now, if we run this crap, if we run this crap where you know Jamison is running five yard slants and you know a bunch of different inside short routes, then I could see Sauce sticking it to him. But but if we really just let him blow the top off the defense like he's done all year, like he's so good at, then I don't see a way where they keep up with Jamison and. On the rare off chance they do keep up with Jamison and can lock him up for a play or two, 
I think the other receivers and our tight ends, especially Latu, will be able to step it up and put the hammer on them. I think Latu, this is either a breakout game for Cameron Latu or a Jai Hall. I think Billingsley might get in on that action too. I think Billingsley does it in the national championship, not this one. But I think this one is a Latu pop-off game or an Ajay Hall pop-off game. And, you know, when Georgia or Michigan, whichever one we end up playing, uh, when they start to watch film, they're going to key in on Jamison and whoever, Latu, Hall, Brooks, whatever. And then you'll see you'll see a guy like Jaleel Billingsley remind everybody why he was our starting tight end at the conclusion of last season. Yeah. Yeah. As far as the defensive side of the ball, I like, I don't, I don't see, obviously I have not watched a lot of, yeah, I haven't watched a lot of Cincy's gameplay, but I don't see anyone stopping Will Anderson unless they double, like double or triple team him, but then you've got the rest of the defensive line to deal with. So I think, I think Will Anderson's going to kill somebody or Fedarian Mathis is going to wreak havoc. Raiders a good QB, but he's not, he's not that generational QB that you need to beat an Alabama's Nick Saban. And he's not a walk-on that just randomly decides to have the best game of his career against Alabama. He's, He's not a Zach Calzada or a Deshaun Watson, and I think that is gonna. I think that's gonna be the deciding factor too. He's Matt Corral, exactly. And I mean, Corral didn't have a horrible game against us, but we definitely injured his Heisman campaign. Oh yeah, I mean, he's just he's inconsistent. He's a relatively decent athlete. He can hit the spot sometimes, but not always. He's got a decent arm. He's Matt Corral. He's old, too. He committed to Tommy Coverville. Yeah, I saw that. He committed to them in 16. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see us getting two turnovers in that game easily, either by interception or strip sacks. Agreed. But I think Toa Toa... Pops one or two out, and then I think uh, Battle continues on his little tear that he's been on the past four games, and he'll take one, if not to the house, pretty darn close. I'd love to see Kool-Aid get a pick. Would love to see Kool-Aid get his head around. Oh, yeah. I think Kool-Aid's officially going to start this game. I know they said uh, Armour Davis was – his hip injury was pretty much good to go. He's been practicing this week, but well, obviously he, you need a corner outside of Armour Davis as well. Well, no, Jad will just be the other outside because Job's hurt, remember? So I'm saying, yeah, Jad will be the outside, and then you need somebody on the other side, and that somebody yeah. is Kool-Aid. Yeah, because Banks is gone. Which Kool-Aid so, was above Banks anyway. Yeah, but... Then you got the only question I would have is, uh, I mean, you could see Kyrie Jackson possibly. 
I think you'll see some form of a rotation on that, or you'll see uh, you'll see Kyrie come in on that passing down. What's it called? Yeah, what's our money package? Yeah, money package as the six DB. I re- I really like his build, by the way, Kyrie's. I think if Armor Davis goes this year, you'll see. Uh, next year you'll see Kool Aid and Kyrie starting with some version of Earl Little Jr., Malachi Moore, and Brian Branch as your. Your star, your money, and your two safeties. Ricks. And Ricks as well. Golly, I forgot about him. Kyrie will be, be the that, star. He'll be that slot guy. I was about to say, he'll be that slot guy. Yeah. He's he's quick enough. He'll be the slot. Ricks will be the outside along with Kool-Aid. And then Branch and Malachi at safety with Earl Little just taking a year. Well, I was going to say Branch and Malachi at safeties with Earl Little as your six DB and your you know, yeah. it's starting forever package. Let's just not give up a touchdown here. Or a little go out there and make a play. Uh, I'm perfectly okay with Jamison just running go routes to get the corner and a safety out of the box all day. Oh, yeah. I don't see a scenario where Cincinnati even beats Alabama. I don't see a scenario where Cincinnati even challenges Alabama, much less beats Alabama. I, well, I take that back. I could theoretically see where we just we completely go against everything that has ever worked for us in an Alabama football game. And we're like... Jet sweep. Yeah, jet sweep. We're like punting on second down. And and we'd still win by at least seven. I think... I think it could be close for the first half. Yeah, I agree. I think our depth just absolutely kills them at the end of it. I can see that. Because I think I definitely think the second half is a complete runaway. Agreed. No, for sure. I think the first half will be closer than people expect. And then I think the second half is where the fact that we can trot out an entire second line of four and five stars just. I would love to just pull a Notre Dame or Michigan State on them, though, and just from whistle to whistle just beat the brakes off of them for 60 minutes (laughs) oh yeah i mean the the playoffs aren't usually close though let's be real here the the semifinals i mean there's like one close semifinal total yeah all right let's talk week 17 key games i've got five of them for you guys uh the first one that i have is the chiefs at the Bengals. big game obviously for the Bengals. um I think they win, they clinch. We were talking about that earlier. I believe that is correct. Yes, if they win, they clinch the AFC North. Uh, they're at home. Obviously, the Chiefs are hot. They're the Chiefs are favored by five points on the road. Um, so, I think the Bengals are playing their best football right now. I think that they hang on at home. They ride Joe Mixon because the Chiefs' run defense is not that great. I think they ride Joe Mixon, a little bit of play action from Joey B and some Jamar Chase action, and I think the Bengals pull it out 
I think it's a high scoring game though, unless the weather is bad. I haven't looked at the weather. I don't know what the weather in Cincinnati is going to be like, but if it's at least decent weather, I think the Bengals go on and win that game and clinch their division. Yeah, I think that's an interesting game. I think the Chiefs are getting everybody back from the COVID list, basically, I think. And so getting Kelsey back, getting some of their defensive players back, I think that'll be big for the Chiefs. I think if they can get pressure, then it'll be a very interesting game. I wouldn't be surprised to see it closer than five, but like a three-point Chiefs win, I could 100% see. Yeah. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a very good game. Um, I, think I think it could rival Rams-Chiefs from Monday Night Football years ago. I think that game could rival that with how good it could be. Yeah, it's it's got it's got all the potential to be a very good game. Um, obviously, if the Chiefs play like the Chiefs normally play, it's going to be a tough tough win for the Bengals but I think if if the Bengals can force Patrick Mahomes to make a couple mistakes I think that they can hang in there and they can pull out the win I agree which Mahomes doesn't make too many mistakes but yeah Uh, the second game is a very good game um probably one of the most probably the most important game on the list that we have it's dolphins at the titans um obviously it's a must win situation for the for the dolphins if they want to even make the playoffs um for tennessee i can't remember what they're they can clinch the afc south if they win so big game for both both teams. Um, that's a tough tough ask for the Dolphins to go into the Titans Stadium and win. The Titans are favored by three and a half at home. Uh, that's a tough one because even though Tua has been playing good and they have Jalen Waddle, the Dolphins' offense has not been super like they haven't done anything like super crazy um like they're not putting up a, a a crap ton of points on anybody so it's tough um i'm gonna say the titans are gonna win i think it's going to be i think they're gonna win by less than three points though i think it's gonna be a close game yeah i think i mean i think that's I just haven't seen Tannehill really do much to impress me without Derek. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, and the Dolphins' defense is playing out of their minds right now. And so I think if they kind of continue the play from recent weeks and carry that over and the offense plays serviceably, I could see it coming down to a field goal, just kind of like you said. And I think it's kind of false up either way. I don't really know yeah. which way, but I think it's a toss-up either way. I think if Tua throws a second-half interception with time to spare, then the Dolphins win because Tua post-second-half interception is ridiculous. But 
I think it's going to be it's going to be a defensive struggle. I I don't think either team breaks thirty points. I could definitely see that. I could definitely see it going either way. I think the Titans don't have the best D line in the world, but they do have a good D line. But with the Dolphins coming off the win against the Saints, they've seen a stout D line. So I think. I re- like you said, Caleb. I could see it going either way. If since I have to make a pick, I'll probably pick. I probably pick the Dolphins, just because Tua with his back against the wall is like a different animal. And the Dolphins, you know, they're like I said, they're prepared coming off of the Saints' the offensive line to the Titans, who don't have the best in the world, and no Derrick Henry is a big one. I don't know Julio's status for the game, but him He's and A.J. Brown, is he? I didn't know if he was or not. Yeah, I think they put him on IR for the season. Okay. So as long as, you know, Xavier Howard can hold down uh, A.J. Brown, I don't see the Titans really getting much of anything going. You know, Tannehill may break a couple runs, but I think the Dolphins actually hold this one pretty decently. I could see I could see the Dolphins winning by about four, four to five. My heart, obviously, my heart says I want the Dolphins to win, but I just like the Titans are insanely scrappy and they've won so many games this season that like they just pulled games out of their asses like they that they should not have won at all and they've found ways to win they have fought and clawed their way to wins over teams that they had no business beating but i i mean i agree it's a very close game both teams are going to be fighting for their lives obviously i mean the titans not really fighting for their lives but they're fighting you know to win their division um, but yeah, the Dolphins are I, literally fighting for their lives. Yeah, the Dolphins are literally fighting for their lives. Um, I think I just I don't, I don't know. I don't. I still think the Titans win at home. Um, I don't know their record at home, but I think it's pretty good this season. I don't. I don't think they've lost too many games at home. Um, but plus it's in Tennessee. If it's cold, obviously Miami is not a cold place to live. So if the elements come into play, I think the Titans definitely have an advantage there. So, yeah, Tua but does not play well so far. I've seen and cold. Yeah, I mean, why would he? He's I mean, he literally needs from Hawaii, and then he played all of his college football in Southeast. So. Oh yeah, he's, now he's, he's the Miami. opposite of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he is a warm QB through and through. He does not like being a cold boy. No. Moving on to another game with another Bama QB that is also a big game. We've got the Eagles at Washington. Eagles are favored by three. The Eagles can clinch a spot in the playoffs with a win. So very important game for the Eagles. Um, Obviously 
Washington is a tough place to play. Um, the Cowboys made it look pretty easy this past weekend, but I think the Cowboys just hit a whole new stride. They're playing their best football right now, and obviously with their roster when they're playing their best ball, they're on par with any other team in the league. But yeah, if Philly wins, Philly, yeah, okay. So it's not just a Philly win. It's a Philly win, Minnesota has to lose or tie, and New Orleans has to lose or tie. That's just this week, so... Got it. I think. Yeah. I think. I mean, obviously, I think the Eagles go in and, and pull it out. I think the Wash. I think Washington is kind of. They were playing. They they were hot for a little while, but they've they've lost two pretty. They lost pretty embarrassingly to the Cowboys, and then they lost the week before. I think they're kind of. I think they're kind of sputtered out for the season, and the Eagles are finding new life. Jalen's playing well. They've got Miles back. They've got the run game back. So. Is he back? I think the Eagles. No, Miles has a broken hand. Yeah, he's out for this game. Oh, did he? Bre- oh, did he break his hand? I didn't see that. Yep. Yeah, he's out for the year. Oh, out for the sucks. year. Ooh, I mean, broken hand. What else? Well, I mean, if it's his, if it's non-carrying hand, just cast him up and let him stiff arm club people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even without him, I mean, they've. They've made do with Boston Scott. I mean, he's been a he's been a very I mean, he hasn't done crazy numbers, but he's been a reliable option. Yeah, they just fantasy they sleeper rely, of the year for last year. Yeah, I think they rely more on Jalen's run game whenever they don't have Miles in the game. But Yeah. Uh I still think the Eagles go in and get it done. They're playing good football right now. The Eagles defense for is sure. playing very well. So but for sure, I think, yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a pretty easy Eagles win in all honesty, unless that Redskins defensive line comes out on fire from last week. That's the only thing I could see causing them trouble because that Redskins defensive line is obscene. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's absolutely terrifying. Four first round draft picks. Jesus. Yeah, it's. <laughs> no. It's nasty. That's not fair. It shouldn't be allowed. No. It like just think about how good Washington would be if they like legit had a QB. Like if they had, or if they had, if they had a secondary. So, I mean, even like that's not even half their problem. Honestly, the like most of the time their problem is they just don't, they can't score enough points. They don't have a yeah. QB to move the ball. Like you have Terry McLaurin, you have scary Terry in your team. Like you should be like torching people. But, yeah. You know, if they, I think if I think if Washington can, can either go into free agency on the offseason and pick up a good QB or if they can find a draft pick, even though the the pickings are few in this draft on QB wise, if they can get a good a good QB. It depends on where really... they pick, but I think if I remember correctly, they're still above the Steelers. And so you could see them target Matt Corral coming out of Ole Miss or Kenny Pickett. I would, I would I think love to I, see. If I'm the Steelers, if I'm the Steelers, though, I, Kenny Pickett's my number one just because he knows the area. Like you're playing literally at Pittsburgh College. 
Just run down the yeah. street and go play at Heinz Field instead. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see. Yeah. What the? The Redskins wait one more year with Heineke, if possible. Do no. No. I just, know where you're going. No. I'm not saying for Bryce. I'm not saying for Bryce. No. I'm just okay. saying. I was about to say, I want him yeah. in New Orleans. No, just next year's quarterback's class is a lot better. Okay. Yeah. But I also would not mind seeing the Redskins taken strong from Nevada in the second round if he's available and let him kind of sit for a year, learn the systems, learn the NFL, and then throw him out there. I like him a lot. Yeah. He wouldn't be bad. I also would not be surprised to see like New Orleans take him or something in the second round second round because I don't think Nola's going to suck bad enough next year to get the first overall pick I think it'll be the Falcons I'm okay with that too I just don't want Bryce going to like a Houston or Washington or something like that I want him to actually go somewhere that yeah they suck but you know it was more so just a down year rather than they actually suck yeah, like uh, Andrew Luck to the Colts kind of vibe, basically. Yeah, like starting quarterback has a, you know, freak deal and, you know. Yeah, I, I, would, I would love to see the Falcons just draft this year in anticipation of them being bad next year and getting Bryce. I think that would be just, that would be like the perfect. So you draft offensive line. You draft defensive players this year. You sit with Matt Ryan's contract for one more year. And then you take Bryce in the first round next year. And you trade whatever you have to do to get to it. But you get a, you get that number one overall pick. And Imagine he you figure out a way giant. to take it. I would shoot myself and Bryce just so he's <laughs> out of his misery ahead of time. <laughs> I really don't want him on the Giants, but I think the Giants are a type of team where they get a – you know, draft some OL this year, get a cornerstone receiver. And then you're looking at, you know, they're a quarterback away because their defense is a lot better than they get credit for. I think with them picking twice in the top 10, I think if they take Evan to go on the other side of Andrew Thomas draft, their their interior O-line is okay. Twice in the top 10? What? Yeah, them and the Jets. In the top 10? Them and the Jets yeah. both have two top 10 picks, I think. Okay, if I'm the Giants, I'm not talking to anybody but Evan Neal and Traylon Burks. And now you do whatever you can to get a hold of them too, and then you say quarterback of the future is coming next year between C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and all the others. Yeah, they're drafting at 5-8 and eight right now. And the Jets oh, yeah. are drafting at 4-6. and six. I don't know if Evan Ooh. Neal is making it to five. <laughs> I was about to say. He might not make it. He has a real shot of going one. Yeah, he might not make it past one with Jacksonville. I've never Real heard of an definitely going one. But... I don't think he'll go one overall, but I could definitely see him going top three. I think five he's four. guaranteed top three. Because, I mean, literally everyone needs – and O lineman, like they're you, not, you can never have too many good O linemen. And yeah. he's about as safe 
and versatile as an offensive. I think that's the key for me is he's played guard. He's played tackle. He's played both tackles. So. Yeah. You have you have about as versatile of an offensive lineman as you can ask for, basically. Yeah. Outside and of Barrett Jones. The, he, he's already got the size. He doesn't like all. All you really have to do is just develop him at this point. Yeah. And I don't know how much development he needs either. I mean, he does have his he does like to he likes to get a little ahead of himself sometimes and he he'll lean too far, you know, to the mm-hmm. outside and he'll get off, get out of, you know, get off balance and get beat. But overall, he's, he's yeah. pretty solid. But his his recovery on those still is insane. Yeah, his recovery is ridiculous, but there are times where I've noticed he'll he'll kind of telegraph something's coming. Yeah, but. You won't. He won't be able to make those recoveries in the NFL. He'll he'll get absolutely manhandled by a Watt brother for four quarters if he does that all the time. He'll catch he'll catch a Watt brother. He'll catch Miles Garrett. You know Matt Judon. I mean, you can just run down the list. One of the Smiths in Green Bay. Like he'll pretty much any pretty much any pass any pretty much any edge rusher in the league would you know. Yeah, premier edge rusher. He has been going against Will Anderson in practice, which I think helps a lot. That is true, but Will is undersized. He's he may be faster, but he's smaller. So I mean, I'm sure he's he's probably strong for his size. Yeah, and God forbid Evan Neal's first career start comes against a Aaron Donald or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Um. There have been three rookie offensive tackle. Rookie offensive tackle, yeah. Aaron Donald, you're going to play edge this game. Yeah, there have been three three offensive tackles taken first overall. That's crazy. Orlando Pace, Jake Long, and Eric Fisher. That's right. I remember Eric Fisher. I forgot the Chiefs had a number one overall draft pick. Someone at work the other day was trying to tell me that somebody was better than Aaron Donald. Or that Aaron Donald wasn't. Lawrence Taylor, that's who it was. Lawrence Taylor is the only answer I will accept. Okay. I was about to say, they're not wrong now. Because he he literally changed the way offensive lines block. Like, Lawrence Taylor literally changed the game of football. Yeah. That's the only answer I'll accept. Yeah, I just I when when you're the reason the left tackle is now the second highest paid position in the game of football, I think it's hard to say you're not the best defensive player of all time. Yeah, that's true. But Aaron Donald has a lot more value than the center position. Agreed. I'm I'm saying at the end, like yeah, but like think about that, like. I looked at their numbers and Aaron Donald was putting up like like keeping pace with Lawrence Taylor and he's an yeah. interior lineman. Like that's fucking insane. I think you do have to take I think you do have to take into account the times and like the amount of passing done now versus the amount of passing done when Lawrence Taylor was playing. Yeah, but how very, much are QBs protected now? Yeah. QBs are Probably protected better. 
That's what I'm now, saying. Like yes. if you breathe yeah. on a quarterback wrong when you hit him, it's you know negates a sack and you get a five yard penalty instead. And oh, Donald's yeah. the type of guy that will very much abuse a quarterback. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor's claustrophobic too. He's the reason the three four outside linebacker stands up. Yeah. Prior to him, they were handing the dirt, and now they're all uh, stand up because he was claustrophobic and refused to get in a three point stance. All right, let's move on. The fourth game that I have for you guys is probably the best matchup of the week overall. I would say. Yeah, I would say it's the best matchup overall is Cardinals at the Cowboys. I know the Cardinals are not playing their best ball right now, but I still think that they're a very good football team. I I know they're trying to figure out how their offense runs without D-Hop, but they still have very good weapons on offense. And But let's see. Cowboys are favored by five and a half at home. I still think the Cowboys win, but I think the Cardinals have a comeback game and they play the Cowboys really well. And I think the Cowboys win by four points. And it's a high-scoring game. Yeah, with the way the Cowboys' defense is playing and how poorly Kyler's been playing, I can see this being anywhere between that and I mean a 20 point blowout for the Cowboys just because Kyler's been playing horrendously I feel like recently he's not been playing well in my opinion and so if he continues to play like that it'll be I think it'll be very interesting to say the least I mean, if he plays, if he plays as poorly as he's played for the past two weeks, then yeah, it's not really going to be a close game. But if he plays like, if he gets his head back on his shoulders and he plays some football again, I think it's a good game. Still think the Cowboys win regardless, but. Oh, agreed. I think the Cardinals kind of get their shit together and actually put together a decent game because their defense is still good. Their offense is still good. It's just they lost D-Hop, and I think they're just trying to figure out where to go now because they've lost their biggest playmaker. So. Yeah. They they no longer uh, they no longer have the fuck it D-Hop down there somewhere guy. Yeah, literally. I mean, they have... I mean, they have Zach Ertz. I mean, he's kind of a 50-50 guy because he's just so big, but... Yeah. Ertz is more like a over the middle type guy instead of a, you know, the the fade route to the outside 50-50 one-on-one. Mhm. All right, I do agree with that. And so I think I think it'll be an interesting game. I think Trayvon sets a record. Wolf picks. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think he gets a pick. I could He'll see get a pick easily. and break that record for the Cowboys. Yeah. It, I, w- I, I can't wait to see Micah Parsons trying to catch Kyler Murray, though. 
that's going to be hilarious. He's going to have to shorten his stride. <laughs> God damn. Tyler's Tyler. Tyler really does look like a toddler out there. He like, runs what like are a you having running away from Beth? All right. So fast. Exactly. He is he, he, very fast. He is very fast, but he doesn't like it. It looks like he's moving faster than he actually is, too. Well, he's not. It's, it's he's not fast on the straightaway. It's his initial speed. Like you'll think that you have him, and then the next next thing you know, he's like five yards away, and it, yeah. yeah, he's just it's, so it's like quick. a electric car. His yeah. acceleration is his, ridiculous. His initial top speed. Yes, his initial speed and his. His agility is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the guy is slippery as all get out. He'll make one cut and make everybody look ridiculous. But yeah, I th- I, I I agree. I think it'll be it can be anywhere from a close game to the Cardinals still don't know what they're doing, and the Cowboys are just gonna absolutely wreck them. But I yeah. do think Dallas wins. A tightly, relatively tightly contested. I won't say it'll be, you know, within three points, but the neither team will run away with it, but the Cowboys will end up hitting a bomb to CeeDee Lamb or something, and the game will end. Yeah, I, mean, a bomb I think the Cardinals' defense is good enough. I think the Cardinals' defense is good enough to keep Dallas somewhat in check, but... I don't think I obviously I don't think it, it'll be enough, but I think the fact that they were decimated by injuries and kind of COVID will start to it'll start to play a factor come second half. Yeah. Well, the last of the games that I have. This one's for you, Wyatt. It is the Vikings. At your Green Bay Packers. Uh, This one is. A big game for the Packers. Because if they win. They clinch the one seed. If they win and Dallas loses or ties. Then they clinch the one seed in the NFC. And they get that first round bye. And home field advantage. Um, Big favorite on Sunday. Yeah. They're favored by six and a half at home against the Vikings, but obviously the Vikings always play them tough. It's a huge rivalry game. Um, A lot of animosity between both teams. And honestly, the Vikings are not playing bad football right now. I mean, they had a very close loss against the Rams, which they probably should have won if they could have capitalized on a on a couple turnovers, but I think the Packers are locked in. Y'all are getting a bunch of players back on defense, correct? This week? Uh, Yes, we've had a couple guys hit the COVID list, but we also are getting a couple back. So it kind of cancels each other out. I'm getting Jay, you're back. Ja was activated today, but he will not play Sunday. Okay. LaFleur today in a press conference said he's going to keep it very gradual. You know, Ja probably won't even play next week. 
against Detroit, you know, and then he might come back during the divisional round. He said it could honestly be NFC Championship before you see Jair and David Bakhtiari play again. Gotcha. Because Bakhtiari tried to come back and then got hurt again, right? He tried to come back and then he had kind of an arthroscopic deal to clean up some of the tissue and stuff in his knee. And he's been on and off practicing since. They're both activated off IR. So at any point they could actually take snaps and play in a game. But LaFleur said today that they would rather, rather than rush him back and, you know, they go out next week against Detroit for the rest of the season again. He'd rather gradually kill them in and then, you know, they play on a snap count in the divisional round and then they get real starting time against uh, whoever would play in the NFC Championship. Assuming the Packers make it that far. That's a good call. I was going to say, I'd I'd rather struggle in the divisional round and – you know, wipe the floor in the NFC Championship in the Super Bowl, then lose our top two guys in the divisional round, and then struggle or lose an NFC Championship or a Super Bowl. I'm looking. When did the when did the players on the Green Bay hit the COVID list? Was that today, or was it in the past, like three? Or there days? were. So there were already some guys on it, like MVS, Kevin King were on the COVID list. And then yesterday, about three were put on the list. And today, another like four were put on it. Because the NFL just... Today was like... The NFL just updated the their COVID protocols from the isolation. From the, the isolation period is not 10 days anymore. It's five days. Yes. They also said that you no longer have to test once your isolation is over as long as you are no longer experiencing symptoms. Yeah, all you it says once cleared from protocol, all individuals must wear masks for five days after returning, except when yes. participating in a practice. Interesting yeah. change. So that I mean that's huge, obviously, for the playoffs, because like if you play in a game and the next day, you test positive. Yeah, you could test positive on Monday and clear by Friday and still play that next Sunday. Yeah, I like the Packers at home, obviously, to really cement their place as the one seed and, you know, basically... I think think with the Vikings having beaten us earlier in the year... The Packers are pretty locked in and, you know, and with the chance that, you know, winning out wins you the one seed. So I think they'll be pretty locked in. I think this could be a game. I I want to say the Vikings have had some COVID issues in the secondary. I could be dead wrong on that, and it may be another team I'm thinking of. But if that's the case and the Vikings have had some COVID problems in the secondary, you'll see Aaron Rodgers cement his fourth MVP against them on Sunday. He could win his fourth MVP on Sunday night. We'll see. It'll be fun to watch. They did activate Dalvin Cook. I don't know about secondary, but Dalvin Cook has been activated. Adam Thielen was placed on the reserve list. 
Yes. Yeah, which he means has now we can put more attention on Justin Jefferson and not have to focus on the white kid as well. Although Osborne's been playing well. Well, you know, it's the Packers. We're going to get torched by some third string something. It's like he was signed on Saturday morning because Adam Thielen was determined to be out for the rest of the year, and he's going to go for 150 on Eric Stokes. Y'all are going to get Greg Monroe. <laughs> Literally, it's the most random people that pop off against the Packers. It's aggravating, but at least we know that we can take a superstar out of a game. Well, I think that's about all we have left to talk about this week. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Had a lot of fun talking. Can't wait to do it next week. See y'all then. Thank you for listening to the Gumpcast. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please don't be afraid to tell a friend to check us out. The podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. New episodes drop every Thursday. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.